Welcome to Critical Blues Reviews. I am your host, Critical, and I want to say happy belated Thanksgiving, everyone, and also happy holidays to everyone. I hope everyone had a good time. I hope everyone is safe. I see a lot of pictures going around of everyone with the family enjoying that great food. I definitely enjoyed my great food. Uh, shout out to my people at the job that allowed me, shout out to Mike that allowed me to go back to go back home to savannah to the seaport and eat some good food with the family and enjoy the family and um also because uh, at first um I, I didn't really have any movies i was supposed to check out a movie for some reason because that used to be my, me and my mother's thing we go check out a movie together but for some reason now i'm doing the the uh podcast we don't get a chance to go to the movies anymore it's so weird so anyway um i didn't go to see any movies so i was going to actually do uh a, a brief i guess podcast on the entertainers i've run into and had awkward moments with that's what i was going to do like i've had awkward moments with dave Chappelle, definitely with uh arnold schwarzenegger jim jones so i was going to do that but i saw a movie so i guess i don't have to do that now if y'all want to maybe hear one of those stories let me know let me know which one. I called out the names, a few of the names. I'll try to remember some more because I've had plenty of awkward moments with celebrities. And, um, yeah, so let me know. Write it. You know, send me a message. Hey, man, you know, do this one. I heard this name. I'm interested to know in this story. But anyway, so um, I don't do the episodes, right? Like, this is episode 22. I wanted to do something special for 20 or, like, at least say, you know, it's you know, I made it to 20 episodes. Yeah, but... You know, I'm not calling out my episode. So this is episode 22, and we're going to go ahead and get into it. And uh, we're going to be reviewing. Ken. Now, um... Before I get into it, I also wanted to shout out JB. He's actually the one that uh, made it possible for me to come home for uh, Thanksgiving. Shout out to you, JB. And shout out to you too, Mike. But uh, shout out to you, JB. It was, it was actually JB. It was a little mix up with that. That's why I kind of said the wrong thing. But let's go ahead and get into it. And uh, what's the word again, everyone? And um, But yeah, um, with Ken, the reason why I picked Ken... I saw the trailer for it and I thought it would be cool. It did remind me of a movie that I'm going to uh, get into that I saw in the 80s. But um, I was interested in this movie because, like I, like I mentioned, when it comes to black males or black male characters, I play, I play co- close attention to the film, especially if it's written by non-blacks, um, because it'll have like these messages in the film. Uh, for some reason, it's not the same when a black person does the film you know it, it uh, everything is kind of like relatable is understandable but with certain messages when it's filmed by or directed by non-blacks a lot of the time without any like black supervision it's a lot of times it can get kind of it's like like subliminal messaging you know a different you know uh rhetoric that you know you might find in the film or whatever so that's why i picked ken um this time around i didn't you know I didn't want to see it earlier because I kind of was like, uh, I kind of feel like it's, it's going to be one of those uh, movies to where, you know, it's uh, like a white savior movie. And, you know, I didn't, you know, I, I but now it's like, hey, I got a chance to talk about it. It was for my own 
uh reason why i didn't see it because i didn't want to be entertained by that but now it's you know now i got a chance to see it because i'm doing a podcast so I'll, you know I'll, I'll see what's up with it but um let's go ahead and get into it uh the log line is about a young adopted boy who wants to do right by his father's code um he's lightweight kidnapped by his older brother actually older troubled brother who's running away from hardcore criminals their own protection is each other and a high-tech mystery weapon and um the director for the film uh, you have jonathan baker um he did the uh Bagman short uh, it's a short film and also he did flight which is also a short film and uh the Bagman is basically uh the short to this film um so it's kind of it has different actors same gun looks like um same weapon i should say looks like but just different you know just it's just a short with different with a different cast in a different situation um also you have josh baker who's also the director um he uh did Bagman short and also the flight short so uh josh and uh jonathan they're brothers you know you can probably guess it now by the baker last name but it uh, might not always be the case might just be two people by the name last name baker and it just happen to be working with one another but these are brothers and um you have the cast uh you have eli Selinsky. He's being played by Miles Truitt. Um, you might have seen him in the New Edition story and also Black Lightning. You have Jimmy Selinski, played by Jack Rayner. He was in Glassland and Macbeth. You have uh, Hal Selinski, um, played by Dennis Quaid. He was in Dreamscape. Actually, that's one of my fra- my favorite 80s mo- uh, movie, uh, Dreamscape. Um, also, he was in Any Given Sunday and The Day After Tomorrow. You have Millie, played by Zoe Kravitz. She was in Fantastic Beats, The Crimes of Grindelwald, and also she was in X-Men First Class. And you have Taylor Ballack, who is played by James Franco. You've seen him in Pineapple Express, The Deuce, and The Interview. I, I like uh, James Franco as acting, because even if the character is not like fully built up, like he'll add something in it for you to, you know, kind of enjoy that character, you know, for the time being like he'll hold the fort down that, that's what i like about uh james franco I, I don't like there's not a character that he's done i haven't seen all of his movies i'm not like a fan of his but like every movie i've seen him in his characters are cool um he brings he puts something into his characters um i feel uh the character was written you know for a black actor because of the name eli um i don't know too many uh you know, I do know a few black Eli's myself. I don't know too many white Eli's. I'm pretty sure there's a couple that's out there. I'm just not familiar with the name. Um, but I just never heard of a white Eli. So that's what makes me think that, you know, by the whole adoption situation, by him being adopted and also his name is Eli. I felt like that role was written for a black character. Um, and it, it, it may not be. It may, it may have changed something up for whatever reason behind the scene. But that's what makes me think for what it is. And, um, you know, and I guess, you know, I guess if you would know that person is written for, I guess, a white character, if, uh, his name was Colton or Dalton, I don't know any black Coltons or Daltons. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know any Coltons, you know, and, and then like, uh, uh you know, how it's pronounced is kind of different. It's kind of like how, uh, Rick Grimes from, uh, Walking Dead, pr- uh, pronounces his son name. Uh, uh, what's his son's name? Carl, Carl, Carl. 
So, you know, and every time I hear Colton the Dalton, it's like, Colton! Dalton! <laughs> Colton! <laughs> so, that's that's kind of funny. It like, seems like a Colton and a Dalton would be like a southern white name. You know, I, I don't know any up north white uh, Coltons or Daltons. It's always like in Milledgeville <laughs> at a baseball game, you hear Colton! <laughs> you know, so yeah, but uh, but yeah, that, that's those are the so like certain names you just you you won't hear that characters have, and Eli sounds you know pretty black, <laughs> but um, but you know I'm just gonna assume that 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 was written for a black character. Um, so the you know the legit of what the movie is about, uh, Eli is a thoughtful young man, thoughtful young teen, excuse me, who stumbles across a mystery high tech gun. Um, he's He, meaning Eli, is manipulated to go out with his older adopted brother, Jimmy, um, to go to another city. Um, but Jimmy is being tailed by a radical group of criminals. Now, Eli also has trouble following behind him when a mystery complex team is hunting for their weapon. Now, Jimmy did come across, excuse me, um, Eli did come across a high tech weapon, as I mentioned in the log line, um, to keep them safe. Now, the thing is, the weapon didn't belong to Eli, like I mentioned before. So now the people who own that weapon are also looking for Eli and Jimmy. They're just looking for the weapon and trying to get it back, you know, from the people that have it. And they're and they're pretty tough. They almost have like a futuristic vibe to them. So they're not your, you know, round of a mill type of cats. And um, also, while trying to protect themselves with this high tech weapon, they're going around destroying buildings and making it very hot. And um, so, you know, of course, this gets the police involved. So not only do they have uh, Jimmy's people that, you know, Jimmy has his conflict with the group of people that's coming after them. Um, you know, you have Eli in conflict with certain people as well. Well, futuristic people because of the gun. You know, you got others in between as well. So it's it, 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 they're getting into some mess on this one. So and then you have like the father, um, as I mentioned, and the father, he's being played by um, Dennis Quaid. And, uh, you know, I, I remember, like I said, I like uh, Dreamscape. That was a pretty good movie because I, you know, I enjoy dreams and stuff like that. But anyway, um, but yeah, he's played by Dennis Quaid. And it was just certain things that kind of I was like, hmm, you know, like like the father actually threatened to call the police on Eli um, because Eli, he was doing something, you know, to kind of look out for his brother, you know. And so he went to a, like an abandoned site and, you know, was getting like kind of getting the metal you know what I mean? That was unused metal from the buildings or whatever. And, you know, was trying to sell it to kind of help the family out or help a family member out. And so the father found out about it. And then, you know, he wanted him to go back and apologize to everyone that he took their metal. And so he was like, you know, it was kind of awkward. It was like, well, you know, I'm doing this for the family. Like, you know, so-and-so need help, you know? And he was like, you know, the father wasn't trying to hear that, which is understandable. But, you know, it wasn't like put it back. <laughs> it was like, nah, you need to go and show your face and apologize to everyone that you did it. And I guess I can understand the moral situation in that, you know, but um, but he was just like, well, you know, he didn't. You could tell Eli didn't want to do that. But, you know, the father was like, well, I'll, do I need to call the police? 
So that kind of brought me back to the whole police situation that we, you know, is going on now. Like, you know, uh, people, you know, especially you got white people calling the police on black people, whatever. But then I thought this, I was like, well, you know, what if he wasn't going to call? What if he was just threatening? Because I know a lot of families, especially like growing up in Savannah, you know, a lot of people that's not, you know, from Savannah might not understand this. But a lot of parents will be like, when the kids are acting bad, they'll be like, yo, I'm going to take you to Greenbrier. And the kids, oh, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll straighten up, I'll straighten up. Now, for those who are not familiar with Greenbrier in Savannah, Greenbrier is a place, it's like a facility for bad kids, basically. You know, like, I, I don't know the full extent of Greenbrier, but, you know, from the stories that I've heard, that's a place, if you're a child, you don't want to go. Especially if you like, a, you know, you're just doing, you know, just bad things. You know what I mean? Like, you're curious about stuff and you're just doing things. You're not meaning you know you're not trying to cause any harm or bad intent you're just curious and you're just doing stuff you got no business doing and so you know within that within all of that you know so you just assume that you know Greenbrier is a place you know that holds like the rougher kids you know what I'm saying that you know have mental uh distractions well not distractions but mental problems um and you know like they're having a hard time you know uh really uh having a hard time with behavior issues so that's what you know i remember parents doing that back in the day it was like you know i'm gonna take you to greenbrier you keep acting up you know you were acting up today in school so you have to go to greenbrier and they weren't gonna take them to greenbrier it was just always a threat you would tell the kids and so i was like well maybe that was the case maybe you know uh his father eli's father is not really you know going to call the cops maybe he's just doing that threat you know what i'm saying to try to you know hopefully you know he'll go ahead and meet up with the people and turn in the metal stuff that he took from the abandoned building so um and then you know so i guess by being a sci-fi action you know you want to know if it had good action it the action was on point for me you know it was always something going on um not like huge great dialogue or anything like that but the action definitely kept me entertained uh the scenes were uh, somewhat drama drama you know driven you know but you know but it did have action you know it wasn't like no matrix oh my god stuff but it was kind of like oh okay you know what i mean like just the explosions part mainly different types of explosions but um you know it always i was always engaged um the scenes didn't look fake during the explosions to me uh nothing pulled me out of the scenes personally so you know i don't know if i might do that for y'all but nothing pulled me out um it it got real during the first shootout i mean that was beyond the whole sci-fi elements of it you know not beyond but that was before the sci-fi elements of it it got it got real during the first shootout and um the shootouts was pretty good you know what i'm saying um as for the story, you know, I, the story was cool. Um, there were predictable setups. Like, it was stuff that you kind of figured that was going to happen. Like, somebody will make, would do something, a character would do something, and you know, okay, this is going to come back in the end. Like, stuff like that, um, you know, would happen. Um, and, and I guess the cool thing about it was, you know, the setups might have been predictable, but they weren't trying to make it fancy. It was like, all right, it was predictable, but don't focus on this setup focus on where the story is going um and that setup just pushed the story along you know with no beating around the bush you know what i mean it didn't it didn't because some places some some movies are like like 
uh, actually play on the monotony like just kind of like something that you've seen before in the movie they'll try to make it so suspenseful the thing that you've you've already seen they didn't do that they just used it to push the story along which was cool i had no problem with that no beating around the bush um the character interaction did feel legit uh eli and jimmy did feel like real brothers even though they were distant like the whole story was written for them to be distant um because jimmy was always in trouble now millie's story that's another character that i mentioned uh played by um zoe uh she you know she felt more logical while jimmy's character went more careless and emotional you know, it was things that she like things that you would ask questions in your head while you're watching the movie. She'll say out loud. And I thought that was pretty cool. You know what I mean? I like I did like that, that that when when things were kind of predictable, she would kind of like or things that was like, OK, why did they do that? She would say something and it was like, oh, OK, she answered it for me. That's how it was for me. So I did like um, Millie. She was she was a cool character. She, she felt legit. Most of the characters did feel legit on here. Like they didn't feel they didn't feel like over the top you know like even like the villain um he didn't he didn't feel over the top to me uh or the antagonist he didn't feel over the top to me he felt you know like i, I felt like your boy had a you know put his work into it you know just kind of you know add some extra stuff to it um old james there he had to he had to go ahead and you know you know breathe some life life into that character because you know like the character now his his character was far-fetched because his team was doing stuff that you know like i get it they're probably like some type of you know some type of you know mercenaries gone bad or whatever the case you know it came from another country because he had an accent i forgot where he was from but um but it was just things that he was doing on camera that just didn't make sense to me and i'll get more into that a little later um the movie did have balance um you know basically a troubled family has their issues or their problems uh and they want to do right um i did like that the director used different groups to help build the main characters you know to help the characters build you know to get stronger or or get more apart i don't want to reveal you know too much but you know regardless to the fact you know like you did see a growing process you know from the interaction and i did appreciate the growing process um so I guess the main thing now is so the main thing now is uh, to give you my opinion if I feel this movie is a white savior movie um, before I get into that I would like to explain to people who don't know what a white savior movie is it's basically like a movie where a white person plays the role of a savior, but mainly in a, let's say, a black film or a film with that may happen to have some black characters. Um, may they be a lead or not, but that character can't do anything without the help of a white savior. You know what I mean? Like, or just, or just, uh, for example, like you have The Legend of Tarzan that came out in 2016. Um, that's going to be uh, three years ago, but you know, I'll say two years ago. It's, I mean, that's, fairly new fairly new movie i mean two years ago um but uh on in the movie tarzan was with the army well i would say a tribe because he knew this tribe or something like that a black tribe and he was going up against the army and on the train 
And so I'm thinking the tribe is going to get down. He had Samuel Jackson with him. I was like, oh, okay, we get to see what's going to shake. So anyway, he he basically beats up everybody on the train. The tribe just watches him, you know, watches his greatness. And they get to watch him get a, um, a, a sergeant, well, not a sergeant, get a, a soldier from the other side, the enemy side, and uh, throw him through the doggone roof of the train. Now, a steel train. It's a steel train made out of steel. And this human guy who just happened to be raised by apes picks up the guy and throws him through the roof roof of a steel train. So, you know, and I'm like, the tribe didn't do a doggone thing. The black tribe just watched. Uh, Samuel Jackson, you know, he looked like he was going to be hard-nosed, but he turned out to be just comic relief. He's sitting under some gorilla's balls or something like that. It was something stupid. And I was just like, wow. So he threw the guy through the train. I wonder if that was a symbolism of white power, <laughs> you know, because everything else was a, a, a slap in the face. I thought my, I thought they were going to get down. They didn't let them get down, man. You know, and then you have another movie uh, called Hidden Figures. Uh, many of you probably have seen. Um, I didn't see it, but I did see the trailer and the behind the scenes. And it was one part where it was Kevin Costner was trying to make sure or, you know, he was trying to set a stage that it was OK for one of the women uh, to use the whites only women's restroom, because I believe the colored restroom women's restroom was out of order so it was an out of order sign or something like that if i'm not mistaken and so he's kicking the sign around saying how it's messed up you know these women should have to use the restroom wherever they want to use it as long as it says you know women you know and i'm like oh cool you know there's somebody who spoke up for these women back then you know i didn't even hear anything about these women we didn't learn about these women in school but Anyway, okay, uh, you know, I wonder who this cat is. And then come to find out, man, this cat is a fictional cat. This dude doesn't even exist. And in true story, the woman, that was, it was true that I think the colored restroom was out of order. But the woman that was like on her own just said, hey, I'm going to use the restroom. And I went inside the white women's restroom. So they took that away from her to give to the white savior, you know, who gave her permission to use the restroom who spoke up for her in this untruthful story and had her use the restroom you know you got a lot lot of people like blade you got the blade situation with whistle whistler you know what i mean it's like blade can't move without whistle telling him what to do whatever eventually i think he died or something i don't know but you know i like blade but you know i I was i was like damn who's this old man (laughs) You know, that's always around him. You know what I'm saying? You know, but uh, yeah, Django, he couldn't kill his own villain. He had the white savior, Dr. King Schultz, not only freedom from bondage, he also killed his own antagonist. I mean, how many movies have you seen where somebody else kills the protagonist antagonist? You know what I'm saying? Uh, Blindside with Sandra Bullock, a story about Michael Orr. And, you know, they try to portray him as some idiot. They had like, uh, Sandra Sandra um, Bullock's character was um, her son was teaching him it was teaching him it was teaching him work or, or how to run plays it was something and he's sitting up there standing up like a big doofus you know having a doggone eight nine year old teach a doggone almost a grown man 
uh, how to run plays or something like that. He made him an idiot, and he even came on and said it. He was like, yo, man, I don't know why they tried me like that. It, it made me seem like I was some type of idiot. And, he, and these are not accidents, man. And a lot of people like to take up for them and make excuses to why this is okay for this to keep continuing to happen because I see it all the time in film. And some people tell me, oh, it's not that. I know what it is. You know what I'm saying? I see it. I know it. I see the examples of it. You know what I mean? Now, but to get to this right here, now, do I feel that white, uh, do I feel that Ken is a part of this story or part of that history? Well, this movie had white savior written all over it in the trailer. Well, I thought it did, unless I missed something. Um, Eli was the character uh, that grew while Jimmy basically just raised hell. Um, Jimmy put Eli in positions to make him the aggressor. Uh, he even got in trouble referring to Eli when his father tried to help his brother, you know? So, well, I'm sorry. He got in trouble with his father for trying to help his brother. Um, also, you know, I'm not going to front. There were roads that would lead to some suspected things that I felt was whited out. Like something else was there and it was etched out and changed. Almost as if they were going in that direction of the white savior. And then somebody pat him on the shoulder and was like, nah, let's not do that. You know what I mean? Because it seemed like it was going there. It had that familiar road. You know what I mean? So, but it, it, they didn't go there. Um, but no, I didn't see any symptoms of white savior influence. But you ask why, well, I ask, why was the kid adopted by a white family and not by a black family? You know, because if you watch the original, the, uh, there's a short that I mentioned earlier, um, the, uh, the bag man. And, uh, and it was basically like, uh, him, I think I, I think I uh, said it accurately. I think it is called the the bag. Uh, I'm trying to trying to remember the name of it. Ah, uh, can't bag. Yeah, the bag man. Yeah, I was right. So the the bag man was a short that was based on a black kid who finds the same weapon or whatever. They use the same weapon, and but he stayed with his mother who's black. But in this one, like I guess. He took the short, and for some reason, he had to have a white family. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, why? You know what I'm saying? It's no accident. You can't tell me it's an accident. Like, why, you know, like, why was that a major change? You know what I'm saying? And, um, sorry, but, you know, I, I do, I, but I've never seen a movie where you had, like, a black like black parents, and they raise white kids. I've seen, I've seen, uh, in reality, where that happened, you had black parents and they adopt white kids. I've seen that. I've seen where the black parent has gotten, you know, basically arrested or hassled by the police for having a white kid because they thought the kid was kidnapped. You know what I'm saying? So I, I don't I, I don't understand why you can't have that story portrayed. But for some reason, having an all black family, that's like a no, no. You know what I'm saying? Especially if it's done by a white director and white writers. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't get that. But, um, but yeah, so anyway, um, that did happen in the film. Uh, what I didn't like, I was worried um, about, it was, a, it was a part where Jimmy, uh, Eli's brother, made a comment about Mexicans. And Eli laughed at it. I thought that was a little weird. You know what I'm saying? Um 
I don't know. I thought that was a little strange. You know, um, I felt Jimmy, it was certain situations I think Jimmy put himself in. And he was emotional at the beginning. But then when the situation happened, for some reason, he never cracked. I guess they tried to show how tough he was. I don't know. But I felt like that was... uh, I, I kind of fell out of the movie at that point because I felt like in that situation he should have been more emotional. Like he witnessed something, something, and he lost something big. And it was like, I felt like it should have been more emotion coming from Jimmy. Um, also, the, the director even, uh, uh, or the writers, whoever, who, well, the director portrayed it. So if the writers wrote it, he put it in the in the story. He even showed black people how to get arrested. I thought that was very interesting. Twice. Twice. He had Jimmy (laughs) tell him. I I don't care if I'm spoiling this. But he had Jimmy tell him how to interlock your fingers and put it behind your head and get on your knees and how to get arrested. Isn't that beautiful? It's showing us how to get arrested. You know what I'm saying? Like, when your rights get violated, you know, just... You know, put to lock your hands and get on your knees. And it was even a slow motion scene. <laughs> it was a slow motion scene of him doing that, of Eli interlocking his fingers. And he was playing this soothing music. <laughs> he was playing this soothing music as he interlocked his fingers and placed it behind his head. And, and the police came in, you know what I'm saying? And it was like, wow. Wow, like, <laughs> wow, okay, all right. But um, at the same time, I guess the thing is not to get emotional. I, you know, I can't laugh. It, it was weird to see that, but uh, in those situations, there are people that do get emotional because their rights are violated, and you got people, you got basically like bullies touching on you, you know what I'm saying, who knows that they're bullies and nobody's not going to do anything about it. And so you feel, especially as a black man, and or as a male, you feel, you know, threatened, like, you know, I, you know, I'm not going to let nobody bend me or break me. You know, I'm, a, you know, I'm, I'm a either run, fight or flight. You know what I'm saying? And but it's psychological. But for some reason, black people only get killed from psychological stress like that. Like, you know, you there's no fight or flight, you know, to I mean when it comes to black people. But, yeah, you know, psychologically or psychology, there's fight or flight. You know, you're afraid you're going to run. You get shot in the back. You know what I'm saying? So this movie was trying to show black people how to interlock your fingers and get on your knees and get arrested. So that happened. And he did it in slow motion. So it was done for a reason. All right. So um, so that was in there. Um, what I did like, I did like the chemistry between Eli and Millie. Um, they had a good bond. Um, there was a scene where she shot him the peace sign. And I got the feels from that, you know what I'm saying? Because the bond was very genuine between the two. And I was thinking, you know, when Eli grow up, <laughs> it's on, it's on. Him and Millie, they're going to have it going. But, you know, he's too young right now. But um, also... The movie, like I mentioned before, was based off the film Bagman. Um, you can that that came out in 2014. You can also see that on the YouTube. See that on YouTube um, before it hits the red box. Before Ken hits the red box. So check out you know Bagman on YouTube. You know before Ken hits the red box. Um, this movie reminded me of Deadly Weapon that came out in 1989. Um, it was a dope movie that had Rodney Eastman from Nightmare on Elm Street 3 who played Joey. You know, the, the mute kid uh, that was strapped to the bed with the tongues to the bed or whatever the case. 
Um, so yeah, that I felt like that was cool. Um, but Deadly Weapon is kind of the same thing. It's about this kid who finds a gun and he gets bullied in school, and his father is abusive. His father kills his dog, and so he gets the gun that he found. If uh, he found it like a crate, it fell off of like a, a truck or something like that, and he's running around with this gun blasting people that's doing bad things or who troubled him or whatever the case. I thought that was cool, and this is the exact same movie, just with a, many different elements to it. Um, Deadly Weapon was, you know, come on, it was an 80s film or early 90s film. It came out in 89, so it was an 80s film, but it, um, you know, it, it was straightforward, you know what I'm saying? But on this one, it was kind of like, you know, you got many different things going on. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing a part two to this if they were to make a part two. I would actually, you know, I wouldn't mind it. I would actually go to the movies to see it. You know, I wouldn't wait for it to come out on Blu-ray or anything like that. I'll go to the movies and check it out Um, because it had a great ending. I enjoyed the ending. The ending was interesting. The ending actually had a message you know what I mean? So, like, I, I don't want to spoil too much about the ending. It, but from what I saw it and from my point of view, it did have a message at the end. And it definitely wanted me to see where this can go. Um, so, I wouldn't mind seeing part two. So, at the end of the day, I give this eight and a half lasers. All right? Eight and a half lasers. Pew, 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 pew. All right, so that was eight and a half lasers, all right? So there you have it. It's Critical was uh, doing the review on Ken. And again, I didn't get any uh, white savior moments. I mean, only weird, I mean, there's a couple of weird moments that happened. You know, I told you about the, the, um, the prison scene. You're not prison scene, but I'm going to call the cops that right there but I you know I've said I've you know there are families even you know black families that, that have been like hey I'm gonna take you to Greenbrier or whatever made up thing to try to get the kid act right so I kind of you know that kind of cancels out a little bit and then um you got um uh, uh the whole thing with um oh the, the the interlocking the fingers and getting on the knees he uh, Eli is showing us how to get arrested you know showing his, his people the correct way to get arrested I thought that was weird but other than those two things that's why I couldn't really give it a nine I gave it eight and a half eight and a half lasers so that's it all right all right I appreciate y'all listening and also make me last by giving listener support for the for the for the for the for the podcast kind of got a little t- tongue tied and I had a max hedgerman but anyway yo y'all take it light I'll be taking it easy. All right, one.